Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we are back with our first CIO Strategy Snapshot podcast of 2024. We are only four trading days into the new year, though already it has been eventful and a negative start across the markets. Uh, This, of course, comes after what was a very good year for returns across almost all asset classes, a big portion of which was made up during the final two months months of 2023. So joining us here today to discuss all of this and remind our listeners about CIO's 2024 outlook. Glad to welcome Jason Dreho, the head of asset allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Jason, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for joining our listeners here on this Monday morning to start the new year. Good morning, Dan. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. That's good to be back after well, about a three-week break, I think. Yeah, Jason, to your point, it's been a few weeks since our last conversation, our last podcast together, and almost two months since CIO had published its 2024 year-ahead outlook. So perhaps a good starting point, Jason, can you begin by reviewing for us what's changed in the economic and policy outlook over those time periods? Well, it has been an eventful kind of two months since we did publish the our year-ahead outlook in roughly mid-November. Uh, you know, over this time period, We've seen uh, a macro environment, at least for the U.S., I'd say for the global economy, that has actually gotten better relative to what we were expecting back then. We've seen inflation data surprise the downside pretty consistently, both in the U.S., in Europe, and elsewhere. So the inflation story, when there was concern about it being elevated, perhaps sticky, even risk of reaccelerating, I think a lot of those fears have been dissipated based on the data we've had and, and the trends we can see going forward. So the inflation story has improved uh, as a result. The Fed, other major central banks now look like they're going to be able to cut rates sooner and more aggressively. And even just because inflation is falling, not because growth is necessarily slowing. Uh, and this is an improvement relative to where we were back in uh, early November. At the same time, growth has held up you know, better than it presumed. If we go back early into the third quarter, the, the assumption after a really strong third quarter was that the fourth quarter growth would slow down. You'd see consumer spending would be impacted because of student loan repayments resuming. There was the UAW strikes, potential government shutdown. Uh, so there'd be a real kind of growth pothole in the fourth quarter and they would continue into this year. Instead, what we might get at most is a bit of a speed bump, at least in the fourth quarter, and maybe slightly more than the first half of this year. But the data that we can see through you know, in November, and now we're getting some official data for December, is that the, the economy is holding up well, consumer spending over the holidays seems to be you know, you know, relatively robust, you know, growing maybe 3% uh, you know, year over year, uh, which you know, doesn't sound like a huge amount, but it is similar to what the pre-pandemic you know, trends were like you know, back in 2018, 2019. So again, sort of further sort of normalization of the economy, not necessarily real you know, slowdown. And that's evident in the Atlanta Fed fourth quarter GDP tracking estimate that's running at 2.5%. Um, so the overall picture then is inflation is better, than we expected central banks can cut more aggressively than we anticipated and growth is holding up. Um, so that's how the macro environment has improved. Of course, a lot of this really is good news is kind of reflected in the market performance for the past couple of months. Uh, although the past week almost even can indicate that perhaps markets got a little ahead of itself in digesting what you know was perceived to be a really kind of Goldilocks benign environment. Um, but overall, the picture 
today versus two months ago for the macro outlook for 2024 is even maybe better than we anticipated. So with that, Jason, against that backdrop, given how conditions have evolved, CIO recently published an update to its 2024 scenario. So how have they changed based on the changes you just discussed on the macro and policy fronts? Well, I think the overall crux of the house view or the year ahead message hasn't changed. You know, we expect a relatively benign macro conditions, the Fed to start cutting rates, all of which is going to support positive returns across asset classes. But of course, given the performance we saw the last eight weeks of 2023, some of those returns were pulled forward into last year as opposed to this year. So if we think about our, our scenarios, um, yeah, the, the base case, you know, before we were saying softish landing, now we would classify it as a, a soft landing. I mean, this is a bit semantic, but the way I would sort of differentiate the two is with a soft landing, we expect growth will, you know, be comfortably above zero, but below the, say, the roughly 2% trend growth rate, whereas a softish landing would be clearly below uh, growth, uh, the 2% growth potential, but it's kind of skirting you know, negative territory. So a little bit more conviction on how growth is going to hold up overall. Uh, as a result of that, we've lifted our S&P of 100 price target for year end of 2024 from 4,700 to 5,000. Keep in mind that the S&P right now is roughly around 4,700. So now we see, you know, mid-ish single-digit you know, price returns. You know, you know sites call it six, seven, eight percent total return you know, type of potential from where we are now. Better than what we would have, were calling for before, which is would have been flat performance. And again, that was predicated on you know the, the markets rallying, but not rallying as quickly as they did in the you know, the last two months of last year. Uh, we now expect the Fed to cut rates four times this year or 100 basis points in total before with a year at Hellick, we were assuming it two cuts uh, and they will start by May. The market is still pricing a pretty high probability of March. We think given the resilience of the economy, that is that is aggressive unless inflation data really comes down very quickly. Otherwise, we're looking at four cuts starting in May. The 10 year Treasury yields uh, ending the year at three and a half percent. That hasn't changed. Um, and, the, and the dollar, you know, versus say, the euro still being closing the year at, at 1.12. Uh, in our bull case scenario, kind of the Goldilocks outcome, the S&P goes to 5,200, which is up from 5,100. So now you're looking at more like low you know, double-digit returns, like your low teens. Uh, and really the, the scenario is predicated on growth, staying at or even above trend while inflation falls significantly, and the Fed is able to cut six times. Uh, and so, in fact, in that case, the tenure, because the macro environment is better, doesn't really you know, fall much from its current 4% level. The bear case is the hard landing scenario. It's a recession. The S&P falls to 3,700. The Fed cuts aggressively, like you know, 400 you know, basis points. So really, the, the basic change is we think about the um, the base case, the bull cases have really kind of improved. The base case looks a little bit more like the bull case did before, and now the bull case is even more optimistic in terms of the macro environment. And the bear case is. You know, kind of a proper recession that we ultimately kind of get at some point this year. So, Jason, you did mention that a lot of the good macro news was already priced into the markets during the last two months of 2023. So how has that changed the overall asset class preferences and messages in focus, if at all? Well, there, there's relatively little change to the overall preferences or messages. If we go back two months ago to think about what kind of returns we were assuming or implied by our price targets, Given the level of yields in early November, given where the equity market was, kind of across the board, we were looking at you know, either high single-digit or you know, double-digit type of returns for bonds, for equities, uh, you know, for other asset classes. Given the moves in the markets, really those return levels are, are going to be coming down. Um, but on a relative basis, we still lean towards 
bonds as being the most preferred and the equities at neutral overall. Uh, and this really kind of comes down to we still see you know, positive mid to upper single digit type of returns for bonds, you know, given where yields are. So you get the carry plus, you know, when the Fed does cut rates, historically the 10 year goes lower. So we think it's going to drift lower this year. That's going to add some price returns. And given that the you know, bonds are less volatile than equities and the direction of travel, you know, we feel confident is like at least holding steady, if not lower. We feel that is high, pretty high conviction. Those are the type of returns you're going to get from bonds on equities. You know, positive returns, but certainly it's kind of more volatility, probably a con- more continuation of the market swings we saw last year. So it's not a negative view, it's just in terms of kind of where do you think of in terms of risk reward. Right now, we just have higher conviction that you're going to get a good, well, sweet benign year for bonds versus equities. Um, now, I would say in terms of the messages, uh, one of the key ones we had, you know, from the year ahead was kind of buy quality assets, quality bonds, quality equities. That continues. But one change we did make to our kind of asset class preferences was to upgrade U.S. small cap stocks uh, you know, versus large in mid-December. We upgraded to you know, small to most preferred and, and large to least preferred. So basically small versus large trade. The rationale for that is in an economic environment that, that looks like it's going to be even better than we anticipated of you know growth kind of holding up okay, the Fed cutting interest rates. Then that's an opportunity for small cap stocks to really kind of perform. We saw that was the case in you know, big parts of November into December. Last week, there was a bit of a reversal, but I think that's more of a taking a pause in the trade rather than a change in view. So kind of complement kind of an overall kind of quality tilt with you know, small caps, almost think of it like as barbell in your portfolio to some extent, taking the cyclical risk to get and take advantage of a, you know, what we think will be a benign macro environment through small caps, but otherwise still continue to look towards kind of quality assets in, in the cross, so, you know, the portfolio, equities and fixed income, even more, maybe more so in fixed income because Credit spreads, whether it's for investment-grade corporate bonds or high-yield bonds, have tightened quite a bit, uh, and we think they're going to drift higher. So even if Treasury yields decline, I think that's going to the widening of spreads will limit some of the return potential for for corporate bonds. Um, so kind of going up in quality still is attractive within fixed income. So Jason, at this point, you've spoken a lot about the full year outlook, though if we focus more near term, let's say over the next few months, what are the things, factors that investors should be watching and expect? Well, I think we're going to continue to see markets being not just kind of volatile, but sort of chopping around and sort of oscillating between different kind of scenarios. Uh, if we think about the story for last year from a macro context, it really was a situation where the markets went back and forth between pricing in a soft landing for the economy and a recession. Uh, and that was reflected in equity performance. Anytime sort of those soft landing, you know, you know, uh, expectations improved as investors became more confident, you saw equities rally. That was certainly true in the summer in June and July. It was true in the last couple of months of, of 2023. Uh, and then when the, the concerns about a recession increased, we saw equities pull back, whether it was earlier in the year, uh, you know, or, you know, even in September, October, when, it, when rates rose significantly. So that environment, I think, will kind of continue in terms of the markets going back and forth between different scenarios. The one difference this year versus last year, it's less about the hard landing, soft landing, or recession, soft landing, but more about, like, how much does the Fed do? Will they cut upwards of six times, or are they going to only maybe cut rates three times? And any particular data points that comes in, it's going to influence how the market perceives that. Because even the data we've seen thus far, you know, it's consistent with the economy holding up. We saw that with the labor market report. Um, so certainly some, you know, some softening, continue that trend, but overall still not showing signs of, of recession. So then it really comes down to what does it mean for the Fed? And, and I think that's given how much aggressive the, the market got towards the end of last year in terms of pricing out 
uh, you know, or pricing in Fed rate cuts, you know, pricing a little bit of out, you can see the market's going to pull back a little bit. So that sort of overall dynamic, I think, will continue for the time being. We'll still have a relatively optimistic view on the macro and asset classes returns by year end. It's not going to be a smooth, straight path. There's going to be these, these oscillations. Um, and layered on top of that, of course, is a year of a lot of politics, 40 major elections around the world, including obviously frontline with the U.S. election. So a lot of potential market noise. But I think the, the guidance we'd give to our clients and our advisors is that to look through a lot of this noise, make sure as long as the economic trends are on track, we think these ideas that we have, the kind of the guidance that we have will continue to play out. But again, there's going to be sort of fluctuations, you know, up and down as the data points come in. So it's important to kind of, you know, look through some of that and stay the course for the most part is, as long as the data is sort of moving in direction that we think it will. So far, only four days in, it's, it's consistent with that. Jason, it does sound like it will be a very eventful year on many fronts. So we will, of course, keep our listeners, our clients informed along the way here on the Snapshot, though. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be back. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday morning to keep us informed on CIO's latest thinking and looking forward to many follow-up conversations throughout the year. Oh, you're welcome, Dan. And yes, I think this will be an ongoing conversation every week of keeping track of these views and how the markets are digesting and responding to all the incoming data. And it'll be um, certainly eventful one way or another. Absolutely. Thank you again, Jason. Again, today we have been speaking with Jason Dreho, the head of asset allocation for the Americas with the UBS chief investment office. I will point out to our listeners, especially our clients of UBS, the updated scenarios to CIO's year-ahead outlook for 2024. The correlating publication is available now up on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 